This is Deepa Narayan, social science researcher and host of What's a Man podcast. My goal in doing this podcast is simple, to open up the conversation about men and masculinity in a non-judgmental way, with compassion and deep listening. And this is our final episode of the series. How do I feel recording the final episode? Grateful and excited. Because so many of you, over 400,000 people, have listened to the men and boys that we've spoken to. You've listened to them sharing their stories, their ideas, their problems, their hopes about masculinity. Thank you so much. Do please continue to share and talk about it. And I am excited at the idea of having more free time. And it's always exciting to wrap up a big project, isn't it? So why did I do this podcast and this research on men? I want to locate it in my life's work. I was senior advisor on poverty and poor people's empowerment at the World Bank for a long time, and I've lived and worked in rural areas in Africa and East Asia, and of course in India. I've always worked on poverty, inequality, and poor people's empowerment, and like everyone else, I too focused on women's empowerment. But in 2012, I started having doubts and questions as the violence against women continued. And I decided to switch to trying to understand educated middle and upper class people and families because we're not battling a daily fight to survive. And we already believe in gender equality. So I felt that Perhaps if I try to understand what it means to be a woman and man, I might learn something new. I ended up speaking primarily to women, and this is reported in a TED Talk and in my book, Chup, Breaking the Silence of India's Women. We've created Chup Circles, safe workshop space for women. There's a curriculum so women can connect, talk and listen and change together. But I kept thinking, what about the men? What about the men? We just keep bypassing the men. So I finally turned to fulfill a promise. And I interviewed, my team and I interviewed over 250 middle class and upper class educated men in Delhi and Mumbai, but other cities as well. And it's hard to believe that it's been already two years And if you'd asked me two years ago what I would be doing during the pandemic, I would never have guessed that it would be doing research. I just wouldn't have thought it's possible, given the circumstances, given the many physical dislocations that I would experience across continents and through our collective fears and pain. I don't know about you, but once I decide to do something. I just dive in. I just start. Because if I thought of all the problems ahead of time, I would never begin. So it's actually very simple. If you have an idea that you believe in, just start. People are asking me all the time, what have I learned in doing this podcast? And each time my answer has been a bit different. So I pulled back and decided 
that I need to focus on one big idea, a tent-sized idea that has the power to look forward and backward, to explain the many findings on the one side and point to how do we move forward to work with men and masculinities and gender-equal policies. So in this final episode, I decided not to talk about individual findings because you can go back to the 13 episodes and you can listen for yourself, right? Each episode has its own theme. We start by asking men and boys to define what does masculinity mean to you? What does power mean to you? What do your bodies mean to you? Tell us about your friendships, your relationship with fathers, how you try and get respect and love at home, at work, your role as providers, how the LGBTQIA plus community is changing the workplace and some homes and how schools replicate stereotypes. And we ended with interventions that break these stereotypes, how to raise a feminist son, how queer and gay men and men are breaking stereotypes about themselves through their work with men and all within a feminist framework. My overall conclusion is that most of the educated middle and upper class men that we interviewed have changed from the outside, but not from the inside, not in their core definitions of masculinity, which is the centerpiece of patriarchy. It is still power, provider, power. So building on the work of thousands of others in this final reflections, I want to talk about feminism and why men should embrace a renewed feminism, what I'm calling feminism X, so that men can live the version of masculinity that they most desire and become full partners in the moral goal for equity and equality for all. I know feminism and the very idea of feminism has been very misunderstood. It's been attacked, distorted, maligned, and it makes some men and women angry, afraid, defensive, and shut down. Some men feel feminism will steal away their power and their individuality. And after considering many ideas and concepts, I was surprised to find myself coming back to feminism, a renewed feminism, even though I've avoided using the word feminism throughout the podcast series. So join me to find out why I changed my mind. What's a Man? Masculinity Podcast in India by Deepa Narayan. Our partners are Hubhopper, the gender lab, who work with adolescent boys and girls on gender awareness, chup circles, safe spaces for conversation, and Youth Ki Awaaz, the largest online platform for youth voices. This podcast is supported by the American Center New Delhi. The opinions presented in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the American Center or the U.S. government. Why feminism? Very simply, feminism is the only big idea that considers men and women as equal. And as we established in episode one, feminism and the idea of gender equality are not Western concepts. And men don't live in isolation. Masculinity lives in relationships. Very simply, men are only men in relationships with other men and with women. I found 
that even though all the men we interviewed, all of them believed in gender equality, I found that the culture of patriarchy, that men are superior, lives inside men and has already penetrated the beliefs, the thinking and behaviors of seven-year-old boys and girls. Hence, there's a big gap between everyday behaviors and their beliefs in equality. So the only powerful idea to counteract patriarchy is feminism, which is also why, very naturally, it's viewed as a threat to the existing ideas of dominant masculinity that subjugates women. So the idea of patriarchy or male dominance led to the idea of feminism. Feminism led to the goal of gender equality, and deep gender inequality led to women's empowerment as a corrective. And since it all started with a problem of men's absolute power over women and patriarchy, in the translation of these ideas, men have been left out, bypassed. And I know many men's fears are real, so I want to address these fears. The question really is, do, do men actually gain anything if they side with gender equality or do they just lose power? Does gender equality actually benefit men? There's plenty of evidence now that shows where there is greater gender equality, whether it's at the national level or at the household level, men are actually happier, healthier and yes, more satisfied with their sex lives. And narrow definitions of masculinity, the dominant, the all-knowing, the always powerful patriarch, the controller, traps men in fakeness, in a fantasy. Men aren't happy either in a world of patriarchy. More men than women commit suicide. Men commit most of the violent crimes. More men than women commit violence against women, against gay and transgender people. It's so obvious, happy men don't kill others. They don't commit violence. The men in our interviews are very aware that they're privileged, but they want to change, but feel stuck and unable to talk with other men or women, and so they remain quiet. Over and over again, most men told us reluctantly and often in a whisper that they couldn't bring themselves to ask for help. They would not ask, they do not ask for help because it's not masculine to ask for help. It's considered weak. So, of course, this isolates men and men feel alone. This makes it really urgent to open up the man box, to help men, and to achieve deep-rooted, more resilient gender equality. Of course, we've made progress, but there's still a long ways to go. India has achieved so much in every field, but it's currently going backwards in gender equality. At current rates, the World Economic Forum estimates it will take over 200 years to achieve gender equality. Do we want to wait another 200 years? So I want to place all our findings on masculinities within a big tent of feminism and lift feminism up 
the idea of feminism for men that explicitly invites men and boys to share their struggles, pain points, and the joy. A feminism that locates men, women, and all human beings in a flat structure as having the same human needs for connection. To be seen, to be heard, appreciated, to be cared for, to be loved with mutual accountability. And respect and center the many intersections of gender, class, caste, race, and power that exist, each with their own practical and strategic priorities and each with their own sets of leaders. I'm calling for a renewed feminism, and I'm calling this Feminism X. This renewed Feminism X is open-hearted. It centers power and love. It seeks equity and dignity for all women, men, and all human beings across the gender spectrum. It is global, kind, and a more loving feminism for all people. It is intersectional. It includes people of all genders, caste, tribe, color, in its foundation, in its definition. So it cannot be conceived as an afterthought. And yes, we can still march, protest, lobby, and fight for change together. The term intersectional was created by Kimberly Crenshaw and is used a lot, but in practice, intersectionality lags terribly. I build on the work of millions of feminists, mostly female, but increasingly men as well. Queer and gay men like Parmesh Sahadi, scholars and writers from Nivedita Menon, Ruth Manorama, Bina Agarwal, Sanjay Srivastav, Meena Kandsami, publishers like Urvashi Butalia and Ritu Menon, Shali Chopra, activists like Kiruba Munusami, Kamla Bhaseen, and thousands of others. Feminism X has four features, which have not been put into practice on a large scale in India, and actually in most countries, in our quest for gender equality and women's empowerment strategies. First, Feminism X includes men in its definition, X signifying person of any gender. It does not bypass men. How can India achieve gender equality by bypassing the power of 750 million males, boys and men? Is it even possible? And to state that India is male-dominated is to state the obvious, right? Because in study after study shows that men still hold the power. And power is relational. Women live surrounded by power-holding men from different classes and different castes. And if men don't change, it puts all the burden on women to sustain and pay the price for change, including being punished. It's the same as saying that black people are responsible for changing racism and racist systems. This bypassing of men is based on an implicit and often explicit belief that men, or all men, are the problem. They can't change or they don't want to change. And so we don't even bother to ask and find out and listen to them. I found over and over again that approximately two-thirds of the men we interviewed were open. They want to change, some more courageous than others. They want to be trusted. They want to learn. They want to do better. But during the spirit of flux and transition out of the old notions of masculinity, men are unsure. They feel fear, which they hide. They have few role models at home, 
and no safe spaces to get together and talk about their fears and confusion or how to unlearn and learn new behaviors. Like pythons, they hide their innermost pain and just swallow it whole. And this has huge costs on men themselves and suicides and other mental health problems and on others from violence and rape. Even among the gender equality, the committed, educated men we interviewed, there is anger and resentment. And it is targeted against women because men have no safe spaces to talk about masculinities without being judged and shamed. And not many are listening. So these feelings are left unaddressed. So many men and women who work with men told me that men, including young men, view a woman's no, even when a woman doesn't know the man, as a terrible personal rejection, a betrayal, that this girl thinks too much of herself and so should be punished. So we need many more masculinities, studies, research, within feminist framework and spaces for men to gather, to listen, to learn from each other without judgment, everywhere, in homes, colleges, and with work colleagues, something I've been saying over and over again in every episode, so that men can manage their fears, their anger, their worries in healthier ways. There's so many books on how to be a better woman in India. I couldn't find a single recent popular book on men outside of academia that talks to men about masculinities, how to be a better man. The work that boys and men, supported by philanthropists like Rohini Nilakani, and the work by men like Manak Matiani, Nikhil Taneja, Akshat Singhal, Harish Sadani, Farhan Akhtar, and so many others, is sowing the seeds of change. In summary, Feminism X includes and invites the men in. It invites women of all castes, tribes, and class in. Second, Feminism X focuses on changing the culture of patriarchy, the psychology, the beliefs, the mindsets, the social norms of patriarchy. Most gender equality and women's empowerment work focuses on external achievements, on education and employment, and these are important, but it leaves the culture of patriarchy intact. It assumes that education and income by itself will change mindsets. This doesn't happen all the time. It assumes that the culture of inequality, the culture of unequal assumptions, beliefs in our mind will automatically change. It is this culture of patriarchy left intact that results in fragile and superficial change swept away in high winds. It is this culture of patriarchy left intact that leads to COVID affecting women disproportionately around the world in terms of job losses and increase in violence against women and children. It led to a 28 rank drop in India's position on the World Economic Forum ranking of countries on the gender gap based on measuring economic participation, education, health, and political empowerment, things we can count easily. It also leads to what we saw in our interviews with young boys, 9 to 11-year-old boys, who would be impatient with me and say, of course, both boys and girls are equal, both men and women are equal, but then say, Papa is more important because he earns the money. 
He pays for things. Or men would say, of course, both genders are equal. But it's always women who give up the jobs to support men's jobs as they move, not the other way around. And men often said that being the provider, having that responsibility is a killer burden. But it is so definitional of their masculinity that men still can't see themselves as men without being the income provider, without being the main income provider. So we must change the culture of patriarchy in our minds that guides us as we make sense of the world. Third, Feminism X is about power and love. I've been inspired by Martin Luther King, and I'm going to paraphrase him just a little bit. Power without love is abusive, and love without power invites abuse. And everyone needs both to be a full human being men, women, and people across the gender spectrum. Feminism, as it's practiced today, is mostly about power. Power is assumed to be a limited, zero-sum game. If I win, you lose. And hence, there's a fight of tension between men and women. And men also assume that there's only one form of power. Power to control, dominate, force, and subjugate, as General Panag tells us so forcefully in episode two. I found that men's definitions of masculinity and power are totally intertwined. Masculinity is about strength and dominance and muscular, and so is power. So we found that seven-year-old boys and men define men as being strong, muscular, dominant, aggressive, and there's nothing really wrong with at least being strong and muscular. But in the head, they exclude women from this. And the words that they use to describe women are mothers, nurturing, and beauty, for example. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with being mothers, being nurturing, and beautiful. But if after decades of women's empowerment, women are still not associated with power in men's minds, nor in boys' minds, we're not doing something right. And on top of this, Boys are still being trained to be boys by ridiculing them for behaving like girls. So what you see is two completely non-overlapping compartments, one for boys and one for girls. And that is the problem. So we really need to address the psychology that resides in our heads and that dictates the decisions we make about boys and girls and about men and women. For most men, power means power over others, to be a superman. Shared power or power within oneself was difficult even for men like Vishal, whom you met in episode two, who are trying to practice feminine leadership. Feminine leadership is caring, compassionate, collaborative, and kind with accountability. It's about shared power rather than ruling by fear. It embodies both power and love. I worked for decades in policy circles on gender equality at the UN, the World Bank, and with senior government officials around the world. I never heard the word love, nor did I speak about it. We considered it too soft and squishy. 
But each one of us needs both power and love in our lives. So the challenge is to design strategies so that both men and women and people of all genders can embrace and negotiate both love and power in their everyday lives. In our study, some findings are significant by their absence. I've spoken about this in episode 8. After speaking to 250 boys and men and asking them the three words that they use to define themselves, I realize that not a single cisgender man had used the word love. No man had used the word love or chosen the word love to describe themselves or to describe masculinity. I should actually correct myself. There was one gay queer man who used the word love when he thought about himself as a man. Let this sink in. I must say I was first startled and then a bit sad. And then I realized that this is probably the single most important finding of the one and a half years and almost two years of digging into men's lives. Why is it important? Men have been denied their basic humanity. It's very simple. If there's no love, there's only power. All you do is fight for power. And if you don't have power, you're considered weak or a failure. So men have great difficulty in seeking love. And I'm not talking about only romantic love because that immediately and often goes into conquest and power again. But I'm thinking in terms of even family love. In fact, in episode six, when we talk to boys and men about their fathers, even men in their 40s, the single most frequent regret was their relationship with their fathers, that it wasn't close or loving or expressive. And what they really wanted the most from their father was to be appreciated. And what they longed for is their father's love. Even though they appreciated their father's role as providers, they were just hungry for love. Nobody talks about this. So we need a feminism that centers both power and love Feminism that is kind-hearted, so boys and men can experience the whole range of human emotions, sadness, disappointment, hurt, fear, despair, and still be considered strong men. We need an open-hearted feminism that embraces both power and love. Fourth key characteristic of Feminism X, Feminism X centers individuals in their collective context. I was really struck by how important the family still is in India. I know this, I live it, but still, it just kept coming up over and over again, even among 11-year-olds. They said, my father's done so much for me, or my mother's done so much for me, I now have to spend the rest of my life repaying them. So we really need to think about how much to focus on individuals and how much on the system, the collective, that creates individuals because systems beat down or bury individual choices or can do so. So what does this really mean in reality? So let's look at women's empowerment. It mostly focuses on individual women across a community, not all the women in one family or neighborhood or the entire family, including the men and children. If it's family-focused, 
A woman is not pitted against the men and all the others in the family, and the children start changing too. Another example is with NGOs working with school children. They start with school children, but to change the emotional climate and the overall experience of children, they must also work intensively with teachers, principals, and parents and change one school completely before going on to the next or saturate one municipality before moving to the next so that the relationships and the structures, the systems that produce violence or squash children, these change. The power of the collective in India is, is best exemplified by the wonderful saying, what will people say? These norms are so important and yet we ignore them. And this is what led to the six-year-old girl that you hear in episode one. Her parents practiced gender equality so much in their house. In fact, there's a certain amount of role reversal. But when I asked her, like many other boys, I gave her a list of words. I read out a list of words and asked her to name them as girl words or boy words. She had absolutely no problem in sorting these words out very fast. So the collective challenge to men is to gather together in groups wherever you can and explore and embrace this new understanding of feminism, feminism X to navigate and free yourselves. So you can collectively let go of elements of harmful masculinity and as strong and powerful men Embrace love and kindness as well. How do I conclude? First, my message to men. Masculinity is a made-up story. You can change the story so you can live and breathe freely. And to uproot all the behaviors that diminish men and women, we have to change the roots and not just keep trimming the branches. The patriarchy is in our minds. It will not go away unless there is something else as powerful to replace it that can guide our everyday behavior as well as national and global policies. And that is the power of feminism. Feminism X is feminism renewed for our times. Become a feminist and make it your own. Feminism X is a global feminism that centers power and love. It includes men in its definition. It's inclusive across genders. It is intersectional across class, caste, color, and ability. And it's led by different leaders responding to different priorities. It harnesses the power of collective beliefs to achieve gender equality and to bring about structural change. And it needs leaders in every field. India contains one-sixth of the world's population. It has approximately one billion more people than the USA. We will only achieve large-scale change if our strategies to achieve gender equality and women's empowerment change and large, powerful organizations adopt these changes, from governments to companies to international organizations from the UN to the World Bank. But the real highlight of the last two years for me has been meeting the gifted, determined and visionary men and women all of whom started by making small changes, asking questions, being curious, volunteering with poor people, observing parents, asking why or why not, 
making a video, putting on a play, playing the guitar, seeing a therapist, sitting in failure and overwhelm, sharing failures, asking for forgiveness and starting again. Change nearly always starts with little things and then these people reached out to others and the ripple spread and slowly became waves and so on it goes. You are an inspiration. Please continue the change. The needs are huge as you know. Please continue the masculinity makeovers so men can choose from different forms of power and express love unabashedly at home and at work. My final deep pleasure is to say thank you and acknowledge so many. Thank you to all the men and women and people across genders and the children and the teenagers. You opened your hearts, your thoughts to me and my team. Thank you so much for your honesty, for your trust and for digging deep inside yourselves. I want to of course celebrate my team, the women and men who believed in me and joined me. Beja has been my right hand, left hand, coordinator, organizer, supporter and everything. She's all of 23 and has worked through the pandemic with me. Akshat and Ayushi, the co-founders of Gender Lab, who immediately supported the idea and gave the podcast a home. And for the lovely partnership with Youth Ki Awaaz, founded by Anshul Tiwari. Thank you to the wonderful women at the American Center. Joy Ming Purva, without your help, we couldn't have done any of this. Thank you to Christina, my advisor, on how to think about podcasts and how to get started. My production team at Hub Hopper, Nishant, Nikhil and Shubhangi. Thank you for your can-do attitude. After each disaster, you always had my back. Ikrup, you can dig connections out from under rocks. And I learned the basic art of script writing from you. Piyush, with his deep voice is known as the Bachchan of radio, he led and managed the sound production team. Zara, who worked on scripts and worked with me on cutting, cutting, cutting interviews and much more. Priyanka, thank you for videos, interviews and for the sound bites from our analysis. And Preeti, thank you for your help for the last four episodes. Aishwarya did the artwork and we were so lucky to find you early and Divyangna managed our social media. And this team worked remotely through many time zones. We worked through the pandemic. We stopped for seven weeks in April and May of this year. While India was hit by the tragic second wave of COVID, where of course everyone turns to helping each other, to families and friends and strangers and the thousands in need. It was just really, really hard to start working again. And eventually I did turn to work. It was a refuge and it gave me a focus. So thank you all of you and thank you for listening and spreading the word about the podcast. I hope very much this podcast inspires you to change. Start a creative project, change a policy, a rule, change the culture, create a cultural festival, a podcast, a film, a video, a song, a poem, a story, a dance, a food. Listen deeply and spread the love. Continue the conversation in homes, in schools, in colleges, at work and everywhere. This is Deepanarayan. Hello, namaste and goodbye. Do subscribe to our channel. 
on Hubhopper, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or wherever you are currently listening. Our website is whatsaman.com. You can reach Dr. Deepa Narayan at Deepa Vop on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is generously supported by a grant from the American Center, New Delhi. The opinions, findings, and conclusions stated. are those of what's a man masculinity in india and do not necessarily reflect those of the united states department of state our partners are hub hopper the gender lab who work with adolescent boys and girls on gender awareness chup circles safe spaces for conversation and youth ki awaaz the largest online platform for youth voices yeah What's a man? 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 Oh man, hey man, come on, oh man, yeah man, be a man. What's a man? What's a man? What's a man? What's a man? Strong man, weak man, manly man, manly man, big man, be a man. What's a man? What's a man? What's a man? What's a man? Oh.